Welcome to the Generic Board Game Podcast. All the board gaming content you could possibly want at a fraction of the price. I'm your American host, Philip Millman. And I'm your European host, Philip Millman. No, it's actually Vic. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, there probably are no other Philip Millman knocking about, nor are there any Vics knocking about. But look, I'm Vic. I'm Vic from NaveCon. And you're very welcome to this evening's or this morning's or this afternoon's because it's podcasting. Little event. So what have we got to talk to the nice people about this evening, Philip? Well, we have a lot of things to talk about, but first we have a special guest. You have a friend. His name is Steve O'Rourke. He is a friend of mine. He is also known sometimes as the name father, the pun master, and generally great guy. He works sometimes with BJ Rojas on Board Game Gumbo on their Twitch streams. And I've had the pleasure of board gaming with Steve many times. Steve, welcome to our little group of insanity. Well, thank you for having me, Philip. And and Vic, uh, nice to meet you. Uh, I would say that any friend of Philip's is a friend of mine, but uh, I would also say that any friend of Philip's um, has other deep-seated problems as well. So I think we have some other things that you and I are going to have to talk about post-podcast. <laughs> The uh, I think you could be right there. Um, anybody that spends time with Philip is, um, well, yeah, you don't really want to have a whole lot to do with him. I'm not even sure I'm okay after spending time working on these podcasts with him. You know, Vic, you're going to be spending uh, probably four days, with three or four days with me at the end of March. So you better build up your psychiatric walls and defenses for the onslaught that is me. Well, I have to say, one of the things I'm going to do is book a session with Steve, who is involved in psychology <laughs> and so on, who claims he doesn't actually do this or take patients. But I know Philip, so really, I should get a free session. I'll see if I can hook you up with something. <laughs> Vic, what are we talking about today besides the psychiatric damage that I do to folks? Um, well, I'll tell you. I didn't like your title of old games for old men uh, because I'm not an old man. You might identify yourself as an old man and with good reason. And Steve is only a youngster. So, uh, But what I'm going to talk about and what we're going to talk about, we're all going to talk about is something that pops up every now and again when I'm playing with others, where we pull out a game which is an older game and it either does hold up as a great game or it's past its sell-by date. And the mechanics of the game and so on from yesteryear just don't work anymore. So that's what I have planned. So instead of calling it, what I was going to call it was old men on old games, you would rather say not the cult of the new. Um, I would rather avoid the word old as much as I can for as long as I can, because I already get that joking and slagging and so on at home. I don't need it when I'm doing a podcast. Actually, I get it from everybody. Um, yeah. So what we're going to talk about, and I'm going to jump straight on to you, uh, Philip, so to speak, um, and ask you, are there any old games that you still play today? There are plenty. Uh, I do play a lot of old games. And by old, let's define it for our, our listeners. For this podcast, an old game is any game that is over 10 years old. So this would be any game where the year published, according to Board Game Geek, was 2013 or earlier. Do you know what's kind of shocking on that, Philip, is, I mean, you know, you say that to someone and they're like, oh, yeah, I was in school when that game was published. 
wait till we talk about one of your favorite games where neither one of us was born. <laughs> okay. So, Steve, what do you think about this topic? Well, my first thought on this is, um, well, I've been in the gaming hobby for maybe uh, eight to 10 years or so now. And so most of the games you're talking about are ones that probably arrived around the time or just before the time that I started getting into this. And there were so many games already out at that point that when I was learning new games, there was no way to keep up with things that were not even old games yet. They were like fresh, like a year or two old, but I still hadn't gotten to them. So a lot of these games that you're calling old are games that I didn't get around to, many of them, until the last couple of years. And so they're, they're new to me. They're still fresh. Wow. So I, I got into the board gaming world kind of in two phases. Uh, the first was in high school. So I had a long commute to high school. It took me an hour and a half via New York City Transit to get to high school. And I had friends that I would commute in with, and we would end up playing games. And this was in the early 80s. I graduated high school in 1984, so now you know how old I am. And there were some very nice games that we played, typically smaller Steve Jackson games like Illuminati, like Ogre, like Car Wars, that we could sort of have a makeshift playing surface on the train that we took into school so i've been playing for a very long time but then i stopped when i got to college and then had a family and then i i started playing board games again probably in the 2000 i'm just looking it up in here actually i started playing these games again probably in the 2012 2013 area so I, I was a little bit before that, but I started playing games pretty heavily in 2012 and have been playing it fairly consistently uh, since. And this is when I started traveling a lot for for work where I needed something else to do. Right prior to that, I was doing improv, which is one of the reasons that my jokes fall so flat here on the podcast. Getting <laughs> to your question, Vic, uh, about what do I still play? I still play a lot of games that are, are older. So I was looking it up and, you know, and maybe we'll do a top three. Yeah, let's not. We'll just talk about games we play. The, the first, of course, is Concordia. Uh, Concordia has been around since 2013. So that's right on the edge there. The mechanics still work perfectly. It is a simple, elegant game. Steve and some of our co-friends, we have a group of friends that we, we play games online with, uh, as well as me. Uh, and fa face to face, uh, try to at least once a year. We play Concordia a lot. It's a simple but elegant mechanic. It gets refreshed with new maps and some small additions, but it's still the base game of it is still very, very good. Another game that I play uh, that I didn't really get to play until maybe three or four years ago is the 2005 classic Glory to Rome, mm. which is a wonderfully broken multi-use card game that i just enjoy playing i know vic you have not played it we discussed it in our last podcast yeah. and i am bringing it to ireland so that you do get to see the joy that is oh the people over here will be delighted I, i'm sure i'm sure and it's going to be a fun game to to really get your mind right and then again and then a series of games that i that i've started really getting into in the last i guess three years four years would be the train games both age of steam which is a Martin Wallace game, and then the 18XX series, which really started in the mid-1980s. Okay, I didn't, I really, when I first saw them, I thought they, these were 
old men games and you know of course i wasn't that old back then now i'm playing it and i really see the you know some of the really cool things about 18xx games that i still play the last one that i'd mentioned which i also kind of still use as a uh an entryway game or gateway game uh uh last will Mm. while there are games that do action selection and worker placement a little bit better it still holds up and it's still just a lot of fun given the theme and the silliness of the game uh what about you vic what are what are some of the games that uh you get to uh that that you like that are kind of older well there's an obvious one there which is diplomacy but we don't need to dwell on it it's still really good um (laughs) you, you may have heard me speak about it once or twice there's there's a few games there like Hero Quest. You remember the original Hero Quest that's been re- reissued recently by MB Games. Yes. That mm-hmm. you know that doesn't hold up for me. Well, I mean, I, I guess before we get into the what doesn't hold up, we'll we'll have a chat about what does hold up. Um, Fury of Dracula is one I love. Now Fury of Dracula mm. goes right back to oh, it has to be the guts of thirty years old. It came out as a um, Games Workshop game when they used to make board games. And it hasn't changed that much over the years. It's still a great game. The other one that um, I really like popping out or recently is El Grande. And El Grande is old. Well, certainly the box I have is old. And yet it holds up really well. It's still, there's something about it that's... I won't say magical, but there's something about it that just works really well. And it's a game that, like a few others, that's more than the sum of its parts. It should be dry and it should be boring, and yet it works really, really well. Um, and th- there's a few kind of classic games there. Now, I, I, I'm i kind of late to the party to like it, but Cosmic Counter has been around for a long time, but it's a very playable game. Um, still a lot of fun. And Battlestar Galactica is a very interesting game. Mm. And I'm lucky enough to have a copy of that, the expansions, and occasionally that come out along with, um, trying to think of Shadows Over Camelot. That's old enough. That's that's still a great game. Still holds up. It's you know you take that game out and nobody refuses it. And I guess just as you were saying there about uh, gateway games, I mean Settlers of Catan is still a good game. Yeah, you, there's one or two things there you'd like to improve, and they have improved with different versions. But Settlers is good, you know. There's the same with Carcassonne and so on. Um, I and I have to stop saying M because I keep saying that. Those are games I'd I'd quite happily jump on if someone was playing. Steve, is there anything there that you like that you play and would be considered old by our standards? Yeah. Yeah, those good. I first have to just call back to Philip saying from before the the early games you you were like describing my high school experience. Not maybe not with board games, but with things like Dungeons and Dragons, and having played that, then going to college, going to grad school, having a family, getting a job, and coming back to board games in the twenty tens ish was very much the same path for me as it was for you. Um, some of those things that you're talking about here, I think. That, one of the themes that you're talking about is that maybe it's not old and dated. It can be old and classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that some of that is actually um, perhaps something that we need to encourage a little bit more. The idea that you can go back to something and refresh. It doesn't need to be replaced. It doesn't necessarily need a new lick of paint or, or minis or what have you. It can still be a very good, older, fine game and does what it's supposed to. Um, I think that 
a lot of the ones that really stand up for me, just based on my play style, tend to be gateway filler and midweight strategic or tactical kinds of games. Um, uh-huh. I might not play as many of the the heavy hitters on, you know, four weights and such that Philip, I know, eats and drinks and breathes. Uh, but for me, some of the ones that really do stand up are are those earlier fillers that got me started. I'll still go back and, and play um, things like Six Nymphed, which is a classic card yeah. game I just played last night. Um, yep. 1994 for that one. Uh, those card games, they don't have to have new bells and whistles. Cards don't get um, the need for that to be blinged out, what have you. Mm-hmm. I'll also go back, like Philip said, Concordia. Concordia, I completely agree with on, on that for you, too. Another one that really stands out for me would be some of the Feld games that I didn't necessarily like when I started in the field, but really grew on me like a, well, I guess some people might say grew like a mold, but I would say maybe aged like a cheese, perhaps. <laughs> Castles of Burgundy. Uh, that was one that I did not like when I first taught it, when Alex, our, our mutual friend, taught it to me. It took a while for it to start to sink in, but now I have a constantly playing at least two or three games of that going on Yukata or on uh, Board Game Arena. And another one that there is, uh, I think, some people might think maybe it's a one-hit wonder for the, the creator, but Andy Steiger, who made Targi, I think just made a gem of a two-player game for 2012. And I have a constant, play it again with our friend Verla, start it back up again, you finish one, you deal him back out again, and we're playing all over again. I find that uh, interesting that you said old and classic and not old and outdated. I'm going to start using that when people just call me old. Yes, I may be old, but I'm a classic. Like a fine wine, <laughs> <laughs> one that hasn't gone completely you know, off the range. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll give you one, but um, we've talked about some old and classics and ones that have mellowed or whatever you want to say. And there's still some great games out there well worth playing. And and obviously there's some games there they're hard to get like El Grand, and um for me games like Forbidden Stars and so on that are just superb and Battlestar Galactica because what will happen is occasionally games will be re-released as a new version of them and sometimes it doesn't work and the case in point for me was Battlestar Galactica. I played Unfathomable, let's try that again. I played the Cthulhu version of that and it just didn't work for me. The theme was wrong. Uh, and mm-hmm. I like Cthulhu, not personally, but I do like the whole setting. <laughs> and it just didn't work. Whereas Battlestar Galactica just hit the nail on the head. And there's one or two others like that. Do you guys, have you come across any games that have come out again and just for whatever reason don't work for you anymore? Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I played it. I liked it. it. It was long for what it was, but it was fine. And then I played it again, I guess, about uh, right before COVID, so about three years ago. Decided, you know what? I'm done with it. Did not enjoy it. Okay. I felt it really, it, it, it went on too long. It has kind of the same problem that I find that uh, Terraforming Mars has. It should be a shorter game. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say it. It, has, it reminds me of me. It goes on for too long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's in the after notes, Vic, when we talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit all this out. Yeah. So for me, I, I really did not, I did not enjoy the, the re-replay of it. And so I actually sold it to one of Steve and my, our, one of our 
uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Verla's mother, Kelly. What do you have to say about that, Steve? Passing games on to Kelly, who has a uh, uh, a compulsion to collect. I think you're you're doing yourself and Kelly a favor in doing that. Um, I don't know that I've come across that many that when I come back to them, I feel like they've gone off. I do think that there are some games that have gone out of print, and people have recognized that they're good games. For example, you get the re-release and the reskins of a lot of the the uh, the classic Felds. You get you've turned Bruges into something else. You've turned Macau into something else. For me, that's not that they necessarily fall flat in their new edition. If I have the old edition, I just don't need the new edition. I don't need yep. bells and whistles. I don't need I don't need new art. Um, you know me, Philip. You, you'll hear me talk about those midweight euros, and and it does not have to be popping with color. Beige is the rage. Beige is the way to go. That's the that's the meat and potatoes for me. And so, if you're replacing Bruges or Macau with something that's a hopped up version, for me, it's not made the game worse. It was an unnecessary. Wow. When you talk about beige games, I don't know if you've been watching on the internets. There are these reels you know beige clothes for beige children by warner herzog so maybe have we have beige seen. games for beige board gamers by warner herzog yes you will roll the dice but you know that either way the consequences are irrelevant as you will be dead soon how's that <laughs> that was that was actually pretty good yeah uh, i do kind of think <laughs> we're a bit like um i'm trying to think of the guy's name yeah lieutenant stephen hawk from good morning vietnam you remember he was the guy replaced by Robin Williams, who thought he was funny. Um, <laughs> used to attempt to tell jokes. No, no insult intended. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, there's a few mechanics I've I found. Actually, I, I, not a bee in my bonnet, but there's something I've noticed about certain games over time. And the one that just keeps coming back to me is fantasy flight games. But I'm probably a little bit unfair to them since they do do some great games. Is games that are old and just the mechanics don't work anymore um like you look at the likes mm. of axes and allies slash risk uh, and the game is a dice roller but you're rolling the dice the dice a thousand times during a game it's the mechanics fine but a modern game you don't rely so heavily on a, on the dice rolling it's not all of it, and you don't do it quite as often as you would in old games. Likewise, games like Kalos and so on, where the game is longer than it needs to be for what you get out of it. And older games, mm -hmm. in some cases, look at Dune, the original Dune. That could rattle on for three, four, five hours. It's a fine game, but you know, there's only so much that you can play of it where you're not totally bored out of your socks. You, you, you kind of played the game. You've two hours in, you're like, uh, I'm not sure why I started this now. It's, it's fun, but it could have been decided a long time ago. And likewise, the mechanics in certain games are just boring. And the games themselves, some of the older games I find, can have too much and too many moving parts in them. Now, that's not anything to do with the age of the game it's 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 common in a lot of games but people tend nowadays the good games that i like tend to refine their games and simplify them rather than have seven sets of cards when you only really need two or you know 15 pieces when 
three pieces will do just fine for what you're going to do. It's, you know, you're distilling the game down into the fun parts. So I don't know if you have that mm. kind of experience mm. with any of the games that you've played. I definitely do with that, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I think that there's an element of what you're saying there, Vic, about um, trying to have every single thing, which I kind of feel like there's kind of a, a but wait, there's more effect. Yeah. And in some of those older games you had, here's this one thing. And while I could say, that's really cool, they would say, but wait, there's more. There's going to be this too. After five times, I'm wondering to myself, how cool were those five things if you needed to add a sixth? Yeah. Give me the things that would be a good meal rather than inundating me with a buffet where I have to eat everything. That's the French, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think some of that comes back also with the modern games, though, too, because there has been a move towards saying you need this, you need to make it bigger, you need to. Uh, I, yeah. I do think that that good designers do distill that, but there's still an element of the but wait, there's more that might be maybe not always mechanics, but sometimes parts and pieces and um etc and i think that's not always necessary to make the game better for me i'll tell you what that strikes me exactly what you said there about gloomhaven i would never sit mm. down and consciously buy um gloomhaven that sounds all wrong but it actually makes sense but i would buy jaws of the line which as you know is kind of a cut down version of it because it's just too much Understood. in gloomhaven i will never play it all i will never take out the cards Likewise, any Kickstarter, there is a whole thing of getting all the bits, but you play a Kickstarter, I find anyway, you play the base game and you go, yeah, it's okay, I might play that again. Oh, there's six Mm -hmm. expansions to it. No, I'm not going to go near those first, you know, those last two expansions. I might, if I really like the game, get out the second expansion or if there's something essential that makes the game better. But more is not more, if you will. Less is more in a lot of these games. Completely. Now, if the game is good, then it's good. Agreed. I'm right there with you. I, when the designers or a combination of designers and publishers perhaps trying to give you the but wait, there's more effect, I feel like the the public should rise up and say when they say, but wait, there's more, we should reply back, but wait, that's enough. I like that. I like that a lot. I would. I wish we could just tell guys, hey, that's enough. You, you, you're done here. Move on. Uh, I, but I mean, there is a certain economics to this where they feel they have a an IP that's successful and they want to continue making money off that IP. Mm-hmm. And, it, sure. and it's sort of like when a board game jumps the shark, uh, to use an old man's term, I guess, when you know <laughs> Arthur Fonzarelli jumped a shark in one of the dumbest mm-hmm. episodes of all time of, of Happy Days. I think the other thing that I, I, I find interesting as well, certainly social uh, morals were different in the 1980s and the 1990s than they are in the 2020s. Sure. So mm-hmm. a lot of things have changed, and in many respects for the better. And, and games like Puerto Rico, where you have little brown cubes as workers, which are, mm-hmm. are problematic. Let's not kid ourselves. And, you know, and they've come, they're coming out with a new Puerto Rico that, that addresses that issue. But, but those are things that really do need to change as your customers change and as you start thinking through what do these things mean. I mean, look at Mombasa. Uh, which got a lot of yes. black, even when it on the year it got published. Now, I thought the introduction was done well, where it says, "Look, we're not saying that there weren't hideous abuses, but this is from you know from this sort of perspective and so forth." And at the end of the day, they decided to make Mombasa out in space 
to get rid of what could be considered, you know, cultural insensitivities mm -hmm. due to the genocide that that was, you know, done on the Africans during the uh, European takeovers, you know, certainly by King Leopold and so forth. So I do think those are things that are moving in the right direction, and I think those things to be, you know, need to be done. But I also think just as the as science has improved over the last 30, 40 years, I think game design has also improved. And you have a lot more thought given into not only what mechanics are out there, but how the different mechanics and the theme interplay. I think there's a lot better integration of theme and mechanics than you've had in the past. I mean, you take a look at a game like, oh, I don't know, uh, Car Wars. Great theme. The mechanics really don't tie into it. Or you take a look at um, a, a, a game that I used to enjoy, but I've outgrown, and, and then there's just better games out there, uh, Trailer Park Wars, which is a simple take that game. There are much, much better take that games than there have been now, and they're far more subtle. And then just one last thing, you know, just doing a callback to dice rolling, right? Dice rolling still happens in these games, but now you have far more ability to mitigate bad dice rolls than to, than to be stuck with whatever you roll. I mean, any game that doesn't have mitigation of dice rolls is a game that I'm probably not going to play. I completely agree with you on that. I do think that um, one of the things that, you know, talking about this from a philosophical and kind of um, research perspective, when you're talking about a game, a game is something where the person who's playing it is trying to accomplish something and have fun at the same time. So it's kind of an exercise in agency. And I think that we have gotten better at making the player a part of the game rather than a, an audience for the game. Uh, that You gave the example of rolling dice. I immediately think of something like Grand Austria Hotel, where you're rolling lots of dice, and they're becoming a pool for your choices. The dice don't happen to you so much as the dice provide you with opportunities that you still select from. And that might be that there is an element of chance to the opportunities available to you, but you don't feel usually like there's nothing I can do with this. That's just become smarter design by taking into account the fact that the player always needs to feel like they have meaningful choice in games. I don't know that that's an old or a new or a middle-aged game thing, but I think as people have started to remember that the player has to be involved in having fun, that makes an old game good, that makes a new game good. Okay, you said agency. Uh, that just shows yep. you how much brighter than you are than we are. Uh, <laughs> you're bringing up the level of the discussion yeah. that I don't think has ever been seen on this podcast. Well, I thought that's why you brought me in today. Yeah, I was going to say, how bright could he be? He turned up for the uh, podcast. <laughs> Pre-continue <laughs> while he's still on the line. You, you want to feel like, you know, a, a secret agent is someone who is taking action. You want to feel like what you do matters. Yeah. Really, you just want to feel like your choices make it make it make the game change and make the game better. No, no, absolutely, and and you know we're just giving you a little a, a little bit of grief there, but no, I I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of the games that are coming out today, a lot of the games uh, that are better today, are ones that the uh, the player has more choice, has more involvement. Their you know their choices, their decisions matter, and that's something that Vic and I have talked about quite a bit. Sure is the games that we really enjoy, the choices matters. And, and just a call back to the previous podcast, you know, one of the things that I didn't like about Camel Up 
is I don't mm-hmm. feel my choices matter as much. I mean, don't, don't, <laughs> we already decided that <laughs> camel cup, but anyway, so <laughs> uh, I, you have to understand we, we've been fighting over that for weeks now. Understood. Again, I think that's a game where yes, you're doing betting, but I don't, but it's sort of random. What, what, what happens next? Vic, what, what do you got to say no, about that? that? It, it was just something there on the, um dice rolling i i don't per se have a problem with dice rolling especially if it's a choice you have where it's i can roll this <laughs> dice on a four five or six i can do that or i cannot take the chance that's a big difference to i have to roll the dice no matter what and the outcome is this and one thing i did see in a game called zombie nation and i don't think i've ever seen it again which is a pity because it was a clever mechanic was um, when you roll the dice and if you missed your what you were aiming for, you took a plus two token and you could cash that in the next time you roll a dice so that you only had you had a plus two onto your dice roll. So you had a better chance. And if you missed your roll again, you got another plus two roll. Very simple mechanic. It just made the game a little bit more enjoyable because it wasn't all down to look. Um, that's mm-hmm. all I have to say. And I just asked the jury to disregard everything else I said. <laughs> I ha- while we're on the topic of dice here, uh, you're talking about classics. Go back to 1980, and this might not be everybody's cup of tea, but Can't Stop is a super dead simple entry-level game for someone who's not a deep gamer. And they are ro- they're doing nothing but rolling dice, but they're making choices about where they allocate those dice to try and understand probabilities and push their luck. And so, yes, the bad things will happen to you, but at some level, you have to realize the dice didn't make that happen. Your choice to roll again made that happen. And that's that's necessarily saying that now the new games are giving you agency. That one, I think, did it well from all the way back, you know, 40-something years ago. Super simple, but fun, fun game to play. Uh, actually, since we're coming towards the end of this, but I don't want to be the one to end it, I'll give you a game that's an old game, but still a classic. In fact, I played it last night with a group of friends, is Poker. Uh, in this case, Texas mm. Hold'em, which is newer than nice. Stud Poker, but it still holds up. Uh, I didn't win. Uh, in fact, I'm a few quid down on what I had when I started, but um, <laughs> maybe all the uh, the advertisement companies or all the companies that want to jump on this and get advertisement kind of repay my debt. But yeah, there are some games that are just absolute classics. They don't need improving. You're never going to introduce, I don't want to play Dice or Poker 2.0. Poker 1 is fine. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, And there's so many other card games out there that are still fun to play. Very simple and have been around 100 years and will continue to be into the future. I would Agreed. like to point out from the last podcast that Can't Stop was my fifth favorite or fifth top favorite race game okay and so yep. uh i i agree that's a game that i play with uh verla's mom kelly all the mm-hmm. time uh we and i keep losing to her because i clearly don't understand probabilities as well as she does <laughs> it's really kind of sad it's good that you don't work in economics or something philip yeah <laughs> i understand those probabilities you know give me give me an s curve uh, give me a logit or probit function all day long and i'm happy as a as a clam so we're, we're, we're coming to the end of our, our little time here. And so uh, I was thinking that we could spend the last few minutes just talking about some of the old games that we've kind of 
we've moved on from and, and and what i mean by that and this is something that we've talked about in the podcast from time to time is that as we evolve as gamers our tastes change right mm-hmm. i did not start out playing heavy burn brainier type of games like all the Lacerda games that i like to play or the 18xx games or whatever but there are games that used to enjoy some of the older games but as games have changed so have our tastes so i I just want to put it out there that you know sort of games like you know illuminati that i enjoyed when i was younger or zombie side again these are some of the older games or trailer park wars uh or you know something is you know terra mystica which i you know which i think is an okay you know some people love it and and i think the gaia project is a much better game based on that mechanic my tastes have changed just as board games have changed. And I think that's something we also don't want to lose track of is that we want to be able to say that, or you should feel comfortable saying that just because you loved a game six years ago or even two years ago, doesn't mean you have to continue loving it. As you evolve as a gamer, you you change. I mean, what do you think about that, Vic? I have to throw in an extra variable. I know you work in economics and variables are alien to you, but and I work in IT and variables are obviously alien to me but one of the other things is we've aged and i know we've joked about at the start of of certain games don't resonate with us anymore like they used to and there were certain games i played when i was kind of in my 20s and so on that seemed fun and interesting and now are just dull and you know not so good but there are a few games there that not that they're bad some of them are bad, obviously. I'm kind of done with them. And you've done the same. You've said the same about a couple of games. And like Talisman is one game that I thought was fantastic when I saw it first. But boy, oh boy, uh, even in its other incarnations, there's another one that's like a 40K version. I think there's a Batman one, but I think that horse is well dead and should, you know, you should stop using the crop on it. Um, and <laughs> because it just was a dull game after a certain amount of time and Battletech, which is kind of outside the realm I'm, I'm gasps now on some of the people I know, I just found it such a picky game maybe it's improved, must go back to it and games that took an awful lot of prep, which is one of the reasons I got into boxed board games like say Magic the Gathering where you needed to spend considerable time um, preparing your deck and so on uh, Warhammer, where you needed to paint, yeah, you did, but you, you, you didn't, you didn't, but you did. You needed to paint your armies and so on before you could play properly, and you needed to research before you could play properly. Those games now have pretty much shut the door on. Having said that, I, I may go back to some of them, but not as much as I used to. And that is purely an age thing, just like you guys. I I'm like a real boy. Just like you guys, I you know, I have a family now, I've I have other responses. I don't have the same time to get involved in certain games and every so often somebody will say to me, Oh, you should play this game, this card game. Oh, is it a collectible card game? It is. Then, you know, I have no interest. Is it a campaign game? Yeah. Again, no. I'm not gonna commit to playing, you know, six or 10 or 20 games of this because I just don't have that time anymore. And whereas for me, it doesn't suit me. It's not to say somebody else, it won't suit them because they've got a different life that 
they have different time available to them. So I think it's something to kind of think about as well. Maybe it isn't something to think about. We've got games there that we've changed and it's not so much, it's not you, it's me. And that's all I think I'm going to say on it. So, yep, I'll leave the last word to you, Philip and Steve. I can think of three quick one, quick things to say to that. First of all, in response to what you were saying, Vic, with collectible card games or campaign games, I never got into them in the first first place, and I don't regret having missed them. So it's not <laughs> like I will feel any nostalgia for them. Uh, so they passed me by, or another way maybe says I just kept on driving. Uh, I'll give you two games, one that I definitely feel we aged out of, and I mean we as a family for one, and one that we played so much that we kind of got tired of it, but it needed to be put aside to come back for another audience. When our kids were little, my son in particular loved having his friends come over and play the, uh, it's dubious to even call it a game, the game Munchkin. And the idea that you could be at the table with... With little kids wanting to beat up on dad, the game was not good, but we had fun because we were playing with little kids at the table and they enjoyed beating sure. up on me. I will never come back to that unless there's maybe perhaps you know grandchildren someday in the future who want to beat up on grandpa. We'll do it that way. Sure. The other one is that one of our first games in the, when we broke into this field was something like Pandemic. And we played that so often and had so much fun with it that I think we kind of solved an approach to it and you could Mm. always be competitive you might not win but Mm. you knew you were going to be in the game barring really bad luck i haven't played that on the table in a very long time but now that i'm back at a different location teaching where they've got a gaming guild these are people who are coming to the games for the first time and have not seen co-op games like that i'm bringing that back out to the table and getting them hooked like i got hooked so what the what needed was not for me to uh, either outgrow something, but was just for it to lie fallow for a little while. Give it some time and then bring it back with a new audience who will love it as much as I did. Yeah, I like stuff. that. I really like that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's a great point. And, and that's kind of with me and, and Last Will. Uh, I still enjoy mm. the heck out of the game. And there are some other games that are you know clearly better. But no, I, I think that's great that, uh, you know, you can bring out these games for the younger, you know, younger kids. Or you know, new people into the hobby, and then they could you can watch them evolve and watch their taste yeah. change uh, as yours did, and and that's that's really kind of nice. And I'm and I'm certainly hopeful that my grandson will want to play board games. I mean, the <laughs> game that we play that uh, instead of Munchkin that worked out very well is we got to play King of Tokyo uh, or that's King of great. New York. Yeah, and so you know, and and my nephews certainly like to beat the stuffings out of me on that game. And with that. I would like to thank uh, Steve for joining us at the very last minute for this little bit of nonsense. Uh, I really enjoyed having you on as, and just as much as I enjoy losing to board games to you. <laughs> and uh, Vic, do you have any last words? Um, I've really enjoyed having our guest on today. He sounds like a top chap. Um, I don't know what he's doing hanging out with you, to be honest, Philip, but um, <laughs> if he's ever over this way, he uh, he's very welcome to join us for games on this side of the Atlantic. Um, and very interesting chat. Uh, it, it always seems to fly by when I'm talking to you and, and your friends. So, nope, that's me. I'm good. Thank you very much for listening, if you are listening. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh. Absolute pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, we're going to be posting uh, shortly an email for you guys to send us questions and so forth. And uh, we're going to, we want to have a podcast where we answer 
uh, your questions with the most annoying way possible in our usual fashion. Unhelpful <laughs> comments, that kind of thing. Uh, exactly, exactly. Like, you know, maybe we should get a life. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah. But with that, Vic and Steve, it was a pleasure. And as we like to say uh, as we uh, sign off, play more games. Play more games. Play more games. Play more games.